It is a good day to be in church. All right. Awesome. Well, we want to welcome those of you who are online in Theater 1, Theater 2. No matter how you're joining us today, we are just excited that you are here today. Now, we are in week two of our new series, Stop Going to Church. Now, it looks like a couple people heeded my warning and stopped coming. Don't do that. But Stop Going to Church is one of the things that we are focused on on the next several weeks. And the whole concept or idea is stop going to church and start becoming the church. And last week I talked about apathy. And my question to you this week is, is a little uh, more direct but a, a simple concept. What if you made it to heaven and Jesus says, hey, come on in, everything's good. And then he says, hey, by the way, let's sit down and review your life. And he goes through the footage of your life and he says, hey, I put you in that situation and you miss that opportunity there and you miss this one and you miss this one and you miss this one. These were all reasons why I put you in those areas, but you missed that opportunity. Now you're still in heaven. But Jesus is going like, hey, you, you kind of missed a couple pieces here. What would that feel like sitting there with him? Now, in today's culture, today we're going to talk about rights versus responsibility, or you might hear me say authority versus responsibility, or perks versus responsibility, or benefits versus responsibility. We all want the benefits of going to church. Everybody wants to go to heaven. I have very rarely, I have traveled the world, and very rarely have I met somebody that's like, hey, do you want to go to heaven? And they're like, nah, I want to go to hell. Nobody really says that to me. They're all like, I want to go to heaven. You know, they want all the perks of going to heaven. They want to come and just go to church and then go to heaven. That sounds like what you're supposed to do. That sounds like what most people want to do. And what happens is we see this today a lot in culture. Guys, if we can get the house lights up, I greatly appreciate it. But we see this a lot in culture today where we want the benefits of one thing, but we don't want the responsibility of the next. Okay, we see this a lot in relationships. We actually have a terminology today in our culture, friends with benefits. Okay. Now, I don't know if you understand this. Maybe you're old school like me. I don't understand everything when I first hear it. Sometimes I have to go to a younger person and have them translate it to me. Okay, and I don't watch some of those movies. Like, there was a movie literally entitled Friends with Benefits. I don't watch that kind of thing. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to hell if you did. It might be you're on Dancing on the Edge, but that's different. <laughs> okay, but there was a movie about this, and the whole concept of the movie and the whole concept of Friends with Benefits is you want the benefits of being in a relationship, but none of the responsibility of having to be in a relationship. So you want to be able to have all the fun and none of the responsibility. All the fun, none of the responsibility. Okay, now if you come to church and you're like, I want all the benefits of coming to church. That includes going to heaven, hearing a funny sermon every now and then, hanging out with cool people. You're going to get all those benefits. But we don't want the responsibility of serving, having to hang out, having to give. That's not my thing. I kind of want to be friends with benefits with Jesus. Now, it seems awkward for me to say that and a little uncomfortable for you to hear that. So I want you to figure out in your own mind if Jesus is okay with this before I read to you this next scripture. Because if you think Jesus is cool with being friends with benefits with you, 
I just want to kind of reverse your thinking a little bit and just read it out of the Bible. I didn't write this, okay? I didn't write the Bible myself, contrary to popular belief. In Exodus chapter 34, it says this. This is God talking. He says, you must worship, you must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name, what's it say? His very name is Jealous is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You could have never dated me and been friends with benefits, or I can't be friends with benefits with anybody, okay? One, because I'm married, but two, because I'm a jealous human being, okay? I don't even know how that would work. Like, if I, if you came up to me and you're like, yeah, I want to hang out with this person and you, and I'd be like, I don't think so, Jack. Be like, you got the real deal here. There is no reason to go anywhere else. Okay? You got everything you need. I am God's gift. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay, we want those. We want those benefits, but we don't want the responsibility. Okay? We have the right, right, a simple, a moral or legal entitlement to have or obtain something or act in a certain way. If you're a boss at work, you have the right to tell your employees what to do. If you're a mom at your house, you have the right to tell everything that lives in your kingdom what to do. Right? We have those rights. Maybe, you know, you're a citizen of this country or whatever country you're from. You have rights given by being born in that country. But you also have responsibility to hold up those rights. You don't just get the perks. You have to hold up that system that you were born into. All right? So... Have you ever worked with somebody who told you all the great stuff about work? Or maybe they were just one of those people that always went to work and they, they did their job kind of. Right? But when it came to hard work, they didn't want to do that. Like they're like, hey, I want to come to work, but if I got to get dirty, I'm not doing that. Some of these places, I don't know where McDonald's hires people, but they need to go to like Chick-fil-A school of thought. Because okay, I've been to more McDonald's that are more unhappy to see human beings than anything in the world. I'm like, can I have a burger? And they're like, Ugh. I'm like, really? Is it painful? Is it that bad to work here? Okay, and they want none of the responsibility of like putting on the McDonald's thing. I'm like, look, if you work for me, if I worked at McDonald's, it would be very simple. You have to smile. If you can't smile, you can't have your job. You have to smile while making the world's worst burger, okay? That's part of it, right? We want the rights. We want the perks. We want somebody to pay us. We want the responsibility. We want all those things. We just don't want to do it the way they tell us to do it. That's the same thing with Jesus. It's the same way we treat our relationship with Jesus. We want everything Jesus has to offer. We just don't want to do it his way. We have a better plan. You know, back in the 80s uh, when I was growing up, uh, at some point, your parents just left you alone, okay? There wasn't like a time, there wasn't a date. Just one day, they decided they needed to go out and left you at home, okay? So they deemed one of your siblings in charge, and I'm the youngest brother. I have two older brothers, four and eight years older than I am. Just one day, they just left. And I'm at seven years old. I have, you know, very little rights in my family at this point. I was allowed to use the toaster and the microwave, but my mom was like, I'm going out with my friends, and I'm not going to be home till like, whatever. So dinner was fend-for-yourself nights. How many of you grew up on fend-for-yourself nights? 
We don't even do that. My kids think like there's a straight up like meal planning thing happening in our house. Like my wife's like a cook to order chef. I was like, you're lucky it is not just me here. Okay, because you all starve. I would not be helping one of you. If I was tired, if you can't figure it out, you're going to die. Okay, but they leave me at home, and my brother, both my brothers are like, it's fend for yourself now. You're on your own. I'm seven. All I know how to use is a toaster. And I was like, I want a grilled cheese. And they're like, well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to make you one. So here's what I do. I grab two pieces of bread, a piece of cheese, and I look at the toaster. I'm like, all I got to do is cram it in there. If I smash it down hard enough, it'll fit in the little slot. So, so I do. I start pressing it down. Nobody's watching me because, frankly, they don't care. And they're just there, and I smash it in there. I put it in, and I just walk away. I set it and forget it. You know, you remember those commercials. And so I said I walk away, and I come back, and the toaster's on fire. So I don't know what to do. I don't actually freak out or anything because it's not really my fault. I'm not, I'm not in charge. But it's underneath the cabinet, and it catches the cabinet on fire underneath. So calmly, I walked over to my brother. I was like, hey, David, uh, you remember when you said I couldn't make a grilled cheese? Well, I started to, and now the toaster's on fire. And he's like, what? So he runs over there. He doesn't know what to do. He takes a little handle off the, the sink, and he, like, sprays a little spray thing, and it's, like, barely trickling because it can't reach over there. Then my oldest brother comes running out, grabs the toaster, and throws it into the sink. Okay, and then pours water on it, puts a fire out. We do that. We put it away. We don't know what to do because the toaster is my mom's favorite appliance. She has a bagel every morning. And so what we did was we threw the toaster in the woods behind our house. <laughs> and several weeks go by, and just by chance, my mom's out of bagel mode and not wanting a bagel. Like five weeks passes by, and one day she comes downstairs. She's like, boys! Where is the toaster? Like, Mom, we've never had a toaster. <laughs> That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. We've never had a toaster. David, you ever seen a toaster? No, I've never seen a toaster. And my mom's like, it was right here. And she walks over and sees the soot underneath. She's like, did you guys almost burn the house down? And here's all I said, okay, was, hey, it's your responsibility. Okay, and she smacked me. Okay, so that's the understanding is I wanted to be able to do these things. I wanted to do these. I wanted my brothers who were supposed to watch me. I could blame whoever I wanted. And then we start this blame game. And the reality is, is that we don't want the truth. We just want the benefit. That's the reality of the situation. As a child of God, you're going to realize that God has a big but. I didn't misspeak. I'm going to read it to you, and you will understand. Being a child of God comes with the understanding that God will give you something as long as you work your peace. It's not just a free pass. You don't just get to walk in. Once you know, you must start working. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's like a person who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise, the wind beats against that house, and it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. 
like a person who builds his house on sand. When it rains, the floods come and the winds beat against the house, and it will collapse with a mighty crash. You can't come to church and not have the teachings rub off on you. Because you stand accountable for everything you hear. When you get there, Jesus is going to be like, what would you do with what you heard? You're like, nothing. And you're like, I don't understand. And I want you to understand that the greatest understanding you will, you will ever get is you are called to be the church. Not just go to church. Going to church is a huge waste of time if you're not going to be the church. It's not even half as fun. Jesus isn't interested in being friends with benefits with you. He's not. He loves you. He wants you to go to heaven, but he has a plan for you now. And he's hoping that you execute it before you get there. Why? Because you were designed with a purpose and a plan, just like you heard Leslie say earlier. We have a responsibility when we go to work. How many of you have a job? Almost everybody. How many of you have a boss? How many of you think you could do better than your boss? <laughs> Good. We're all in the same place. We have to know this, okay? We have a right to work, but how we handle our responsibility is what God is looking at. How we handle our job, how we handle ourselves at work is what God is looking at. It's not just the job part. He's looking at how you handle your job. Let me ask you a question. If I went to your job based on your job performance, would they tell me that you embody all Christian principles, hard work, quality, character, integrity? Would they say that about you? Don't answer. I don't want to know. It'll hurt me. God proves that each one of us, man, we were all made with a unique skill set, and you were put at that job for a reason. Some of you are like, there is no way that God created me, fill in the blank, to work there. And I'm like, maybe not forever, but for right now, yes, where you are is on purpose. If you are a follower of Jesus, you didn't just trip there. I've had jobs that I never understood while I worked there. My first job at a church was cleaning toilets. Okay, I was a janitor. And look, it's not fun to be a janitor, okay? Especially when you're the janitor pastor. So I'm the pastor during the church times, and I'm a janitor afterwards. So I get to hear your, and then clean your, and if you said a bad word in those blanks, that's on you. Because <laughs> I was using the word poop to test you. Okay, here's the deal. I had to deal with that. And look, I didn't know this, okay? Girls go to a guy's bathroom, and here's why. It is 10 times cleaner than yours, and it's a proven fact. I've cleaned thousands of them. Girls are like, no, I'm telling you, trust me in this. This is a proven theory, okay? Guys, we all share the same urinal. We won't walk past the first one. Everything's clean past that point. You just have to be willing to go past that first one. I don't know why I said that. That's not in my notes. Although our roles might be different, our callings are equal. We need every piece of us to do its role in order to fulfill God's calling to us. We might, you might think like, oh, man, they have an amazing job, and that person's job 
You know, they get to they get, go to work super happy every day. I've never met anybody who went to work super happy any day. Anybody in here, you wake up stoked to go to work every day? I want to go to your class. Okay. Well, you also die every time you get a vaccine. I, I've sat next to you during that. So it's not all sunshines and rainbows over there. I know her. That's why I said that. <laughs> but here's the deal. Some people, not most people, okay, there are the exception, okay, that wakes up and goes, but most people are just like you. It's a calling. You have to just do it. You don't have to feel it. You just have to do it. You have to wake up and go and do it. And here's the deal. You were designed for that. Look how specific God gets with designing one human being for a purpose. In Exodus chapter 31, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, given him great wisdom, ability, expertise in all kinds of crafts. He's a master craftsman. Expert in working with gold, silver, bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. His purpose was to rebuild the temple of God. He was designed for that purpose. What kind of worker are you when you go to work? Is your boss happy to see you? Are you happy to see you? Are the people around you happy to see you when you go to work? You have a responsibility to live out the characters of God. You can't just go to church and be like, don't invite somebody to church if you are a horrible employee. Tell them you go to any other church in town but this one. I go to First Baptist. God bless you. Yes, I go there. Tell them. I don't know what church that is. I just made that up. Tell them anything else. Why? Because we want to represent the body of Christ, and we want to do it well. We don't just want you to be like the bottom-rung employee. We want you to be the top one that works hard, that smiles at every customer. If you're a whopper flopper, be the best whopper flopper there is. Smile. I made Subway subs for two years. You can't get a girlfriend and work at Subway. That smell doesn't come off you. You smell like bread and salami everywhere you go. Okay? And unless she's really hungry, she's not interested. <laughs> you have to learn to praise God in every situation. And when I worked that janitor job, I worked my boss's name. His name was Jim Angelakis. And Jim would come in. It didn't matter what was in front of me. I, I saw some craziness. I'm like, I don't even know how that came out of a human. And he would come in, and he'd be right behind me and be like, Jim, I don't know if I can do this. He's like, praise God. I was like, are we looking at the same thing, Jim? Like, you're praising God over this? He's like, that's an opportunity to show Jesus that you love him. I was like, nobody can see me here, Jim. Okay? When he hands me a knife to deal with a problem, we've got a serious problem. And he's like, Jesus sees you. And I'm like, I was like, you're taking this Jesus thing way too far, Jim. Jesus is not here with me in the toilet. He's like, yes, he is. Because I was a young Christian. I didn't understand that Jesus was the ultimate undercover boss. He is everywhere. He watches every move, and he's interested in every situation is an opportunity to praise him or to ignore him. 
to advance his kingdom or to put it backwards. And so I learned to praise God in people's poo. I'm like, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know how much easier it is to minister to people once you've cleaned up after them? You're like, I love you. You're not pooping right now. This is really good. Why? Because you're trying to advance the kingdom. Your role is there. One day your job will be inspected by the ultimate inspection. It's God himself. We will all stand accountable for what God puts in front of us. It doesn't have to be glamorous. We just have to do it. The book of Nehemiah is based on Nehemiah. Nehemiah's job was a cupbearer. His job was to drink the drink of the king and the food of the king before the king did it, to check to see if there was poison in it. That was his whole job. Oh, and by the way, he was a captive. He didn't, like, sign up for this job. They gave him this job. And he did so good at his job. This is what the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4. It says, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. The guy who's a cupbearer does his job so well in front of a king that he's able to rebuild a city that was in ruins for 300 years. And his whole job was to go, not poisonous. And he did it so good that the king's like, I trust you, man. You would take a bullet for me? That's the kind of worker that God's looking for. The second thing is we have a right to a family, but we more so have a responsibility to have a family. You're like, what if I don't have a family? Well, you do have a family. You were born into one. It may be jacked up. Okay, you don't get to choose the family you're born into, but it's a family God gave you. It's our responsibility to do family right. Now, look, anything can have babies, okay? That's not impressive. Okay, insects, animals, creatures, diseases can multiply. Anything can multiply. What makes us unique is that we are called by God to be fathers, and there's only one term in the Bible, earthly fathers and God himself. And we have a responsibility to our family to grow them up. And T.D. Jake says it best. Family is like a gymnasium designed to make love stronger where you learn to love crazy people and are taught how to forgive. How many of you have crazy family members? How many of you, they're hard to love? You're like, oh, please don't invite Uncle Slim Jim over to dinner. It's going to destroy the house. His kids never pay attention. It doesn't matter. You are there for a purpose. You are there to raise the spiritual water table of that family. Why? Because if they are crazy, they're not going to be uncrazy because it just happens. And you're like, no, I'll invite them to church. No, you are the church in that situation. They already came to church. If they came to dinner at your house, they came to church. Your house is the church. If you can't treat them like we would treat them, look, we shove your kids full of sugar. We let them destroy this building. We clean up after them. We don't go and be like, hey, uh, such and such Pete in the nursery, we need you to come clean up after your child. No, somebody else is cleaning up after your kid. Why? Because that's what Jesus would do. 
He would intervene in that situation. That's what we need to do. The difference is, is how we do it. Can I talk to men for just a second? Guys, let me tell you something. Father is the most important role in Christian history. And there are a lot of men who have babies who have no idea how to be a father. And you know what it all goes back to? We like to point to the garden, okay? We all heard the story, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, okay? And God says, don't eat of this tree. And then Eve comes over and points to the tree. She's like, hey, Adam, I think you should eat this. And he eats it, and then everybody's like, yeah, that was Eve's fault. I'm like, no, it wasn't. The Bible is very clear that sin entered the world through one man. Didn't say a pair of people, it said one man. And that man was Adam. And it was Adam's job. It wasn't, it wasn't Eve's job to say no. It wasn't Eve's job to put him aside. It wasn't Eve's job to do those things. It was Adam's job to stand up and say no. Didn't matter that she was naked. Didn't matter that she was beautiful. Didn't matter all those things. His job was to say no. And the problem is, is that we have a bunch of men deferring their Christianity over to women and going, I'll let you spiritually lead. Let me ask you something. If you are called to be the spiritual leader of your home and God tells wives submit to your husbands, okay, are you worthy of submitting to? Okay, and don't ever, ladies, please help me with this. Okay, don't, when it says wives submit to your husband, that's one man, not all men. Okay, so you're not like second-class citizens in any way. But let me tell you something, guys. Your responsibility is to be the spiritual catalyst of that home. And if you're not living up to that role, somebody's got to raise it up. And I'm telling you that God's going to go, that was your job. That's why I put you there. It wasn't so that you could defer to your wife and be like, hey, I think we should pray. Okay, well, let's do that. You can defer everything in your life. I have hardly made a decision in my marriage except for the spiritual decisions. She can run everything. She does run everything. Everything except for the spiritual department. That's my role. I have to be the catalyst in that movement. I have to be the one who stands up and says, you know what? That's my responsibility. Ladies, let me ask you something. Do you model to your children submission properly? And I'm, I'm only saying submit if they're a spiritual catalyst. I'm not saying just go out there and submit to some random dude that's not following Jesus at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if they are a spiritual catalyst, do you show your children what it's like to submit? We have responsibilities in the kingdom. Man, I just wrote way too much to get through today. I've got like seven sermons here. Your spiritual life is your number one responsibility under heaven. We are called to draw people. The Bible says this, it's you, okay? Somebody, it's time up. <laughs> your spiritual responsibility is number one is to love God and love others. Love God and love others. In Matthew 22, verse 36 I don't have time to go through it, but it says, love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second thing is love your neighbor as yourself. The second spiritual responsibility is to tell other people about Jesus. Mark 16, 15 says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Does that sound like a question to you? 
It's a responsibility. And he's not talking to just any group. He's talking to the church. And if we miss this, we're going to miss out on the greatest opportunity ever to reach people. Third, help another believer get back on the right path. Galatians 6, 1 says, Dear brother and sisters, if anybody is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. And the fourth thing is this. Ryan Paul, you can join me. Do what is good because of God's grace. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. The problem is, man, we're so enthralled with the benefits of Christianity, we forget the responsibility of Christianity. I want to show you a picture. It's one of Time Magazine's top 100 most famous pictures of all time. It was taken by a 24-year-old photographer in Central Africa. And what you see here is a little girl trying to go from her village to the feeding post, which is about 2,000 yards. And she's so emaciated that she can only make it about 10 feet without collapsing. And she's walking so slow that vultures are following her. The guy takes this picture and he's been warned. Don't touch native people. They'll give you diseases. So at 24 years old, he takes this picture and he shoes off the vultures. Four years later, that young man takes his own life. Because he was overwhelmed by this situation right here. He never got over the fact that he had a responsibility in this picture. And he stood by and watched, and it ate him alive. And I'm telling you, spiritually speaking, this is what it looks like to Jesus with your friends, your family members, the people you're trying to reach. This is what it looks like, and he's going, hey, that's my kid right there. I don't care what disease they're going to get, pick them up. Look, I don't care what happened to a kid. If I see a kid in distress, I've been all over the world. I will pick up any child. Why? Because greater love has no man, the Bible says, than to lay down his life for his friend. If you're going to be the church, you have to be willing to lay down your life. You're like, I can't do that. Then I don't know what to tell you. That's our responsibility. Jesus laid down his life so that you could go to heaven. The expectation is simple of you and me. That we do it in return. That we lay down our life in return for his. That's our responsibility. If Jesus told me tomorrow, said, hey, go to Central Africa and go preach the word. Spend all your days there. I'd do it in a heartbeat. I think one of the greatest callings you can ever have in life is to be a missionary. We have missionaries coming in August that are going to be on this platform and they're going to give you an opportunity to go on trips and be like, come, spread the gospel with us around the world. And they're going to straight up be like, this is the day, this is the time we want you to come. 
And I'm going to get up right behind them and go, go do it. Why? Because I don't just want to go to heaven. I want to do my part. I don't want this to happen in my lifetime, not in this city. It's easy to look at this picture and go, yeah, I mean, I know what to do in that picture. Look, I promise you, you can look at this picture till you're blue in the face. If you don't practice this at home, you won't do this over there. You'll be scared the second somebody says, yeah, but they, they have this. And it's dirty, and it doesn't look right, and it doesn't act the way your kid does. And it, it's got sin in its life. It's dirty. It doesn't hang out with, with other Christ followers. You won't get dirty with people. You won't be able to clean up their mess. Why? Because you're afraid. Put all of that aside and start being the church. Decide, you know what? I want a life of significance more than I want a life that leads me to heaven. I don't just want to go to heaven. I want to fill it. And I want to fill it with people I know. I don't want to be there with a bunch of people I don't know. I want to take the sinner that knows how to party. As Christians, we forget sometimes how to party. I mean, I've never really been to one, but what do I know? I want to go and I want to fill it. And we won't do that if we're just a church. There are churches all over this place that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. They're ready to go to their next step. And I'm like, don't, don't rush. Reach somebody today, and I promise you it will fill your soul more than it will do anything else. And you won't have these imprints left in your mind. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you'd say to me today, Daryl, that's me, man. I'm ready to make a difference in this city. I'm ready to go and start being the church. I just want you to lift your hand and hold it up high right now and keep it there for a moment. I'm ready to be the church. I'm, I'm ready just to put my feelings aside. I don't care how people think about me. Just keep it up. Don't be afraid. Put it up. I'm ready to be the church. I'm not, I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm not holding back anymore. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice and those that have their hands raised today. Heavenly Father, I pray, Jesus, that we reach our city for the cause of Christ or that we go on the offensive. We won't sit back in tough times. We won't sit back and watch. We won't gawk. We won't take pictures. We'll intervene when it's necessary. God, we're going to be those Christians at work. We're going to be the family that stands up. God, we're going to uphold our spiritual responsibilities. Jesus, help me from now until eternity. Reach everybody around me. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen.